Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler and I need to be healed and saved. Luckily, Tim Ayers is here to suddenly scare me into cleanliness and talk about the power of an intimacy of Jesus. But before we figure out who touched my robe, now that they've got their cloth bags of ashes from ostrich eggs, let's question the medical prowess of our favorite co-hosts, Marin and Tim. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good day. You know, I'm always shocked at how much you've paid attention. Pay attention, man. <laughs> you gave, you gave him a lot to work with yeah. in that sermon. Yeah. Uh, there were some real gems in there, I got Tim. some medical questions on about uh, <laughs> last week's sermon. But before we do that, guys, how are you? What's new? What's going on? Tim, it's been a while. Yeah, I I was gone. I've been gone a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been Yeah, but it was all, I mean, the goodness. Well, how do I say this? It was planned when I thought I wasn't even going to be on staff anymore, when mm. I thought I was going to retire. And then one thing that <clears throat> I... I was fortunate enough to have given to me was that I could go ahead and be gone all those that time. Mm-hmm. Time, but I'm back now and I'm not going anywhere. Good. For, well, I have to go away for a couple of days in October because my daughter's having our ninth grandchild. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. That's uh. That's big time. But we get so, to we get to hold on to you till October. Yes. Okay. And then there's nothing on the schedule after that couple of days in October, probably until. Next year, spring, next year, summer or something. So this, I mean, you have been gone, but you've also, this has been a busy preaching summer for you. Well, yeah, I came back in the middle of the first three weeks we were at the lake. And then I preached almost a bunch of the time that Mm -hmm. I was back. And then I scheduled myself to, oh, wait a minute. I hear my phone (laughs) in the background. It's all right. That's a funky little ditty. We'll do the uh, elementary school teacher thing and be like, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Well, yeah, you know. Don't act like you're a big shot. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite phone moment was when Dave Rod was preaching and somebody's phone was went off and it went on and on. And he said, he said, please. I think he said, for the love of God, I think he said. <laughs> Would you, oh would you please? And, and then he realized it was his phone. Shut oh. up. Oh, it was his yeah, phone? It was his phone. Yeah, it was his phone. <laughs> For the love. I can't remember exactly what he it said, but it was phone. it was clear that he had some ire in his voice because it, it just kept ringing and ringing. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, wait, that's my phone. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. That was great. Oh, my goodness. I'll just say, yeah, I've been gone, but I've been preaching and I've been working yeah. it so that, uh, and I've spent, I did one thing on this vacation or this period of time that my wife was not happy about, but I never put my out of office on. So I I continued Mm. to answer all my emails and to stay up on things and prepare for stuff. And I did, I did three funerals. Oh. And so. Here, all here at Grace? Oh gosh. No, Uh -uh. no, no. no. There were some that were. Mm-hmm. off site but that's okay that's what it's all about yeah and i was just so thankful that i didn't have to change all those plans that we'd made a long time yeah. ago and that uh this was an important time while barry was away that i just be present mm-hmm. as much as i could so yeah well we're glad you're back glad Thank you're gonna you. be here for a while congrats to the new grandchild in a couple months that's a big deal 
Yeah, nine. And, nine grandkids. Yeah, that's uh it's a uh, Who are your top favorite eight? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Well, one of the weeks I was gone, we were all together. Yeah. And that was a remarkable time. Yeah. And to see the cousins see each other for the first time mm. in the flesh was really cool. Yeah. And they all got along and it was uh, remarkable, actually. So uh back to the distractions while preaching. Have you ever been like <laughs> like a baby's crying or something like what, uh, how <laughs> I've always marveled, particularly at preachers that they just can I'm like plow right through it. You are my only like distraction during <laughs> preaching. Oh, what happened? To date. When you knocked your water bottle over and it rolled for like eight oh, minutes. No. That's funny. I didn't know. Wait, when that. did that happen? The, it was like the second time I ever preached and we, somebody caught it on video. Oh like, my. You can see me take a pause. I look at, you, I look oh, at your yeah. water bottle and then I just have to keep carrying on while it's like still echoing in the background, rolling across the concrete. I thought, I thought I didn't realize that in my memory. I'm like, oh, you're just saying something like at a core team. Nope. You were preaching I and preaching, I kick over my empty metal water bottle on, <laughs> on the cement. So yeah. How do you like keep on keeping on? Cause I get distracted very easily. I think you just get used to it. Yeah. Baby's crying doesn't, that no. doesn't bother me. I sometimes have a problem when somebody in row three <laughs> stands up and walks out yes. during the middle of when I, oh. and, and usually they're not leaving because they're mad at me. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but it, you can't help but wonder. Yep. You can't you help, can't but, help wonder. but wonder. Uh, it won't do this justice because we don't, we're not on video, but. <laughs> I think last Christmas or something, I was, I was participating in leading worship and the song that I was singing, the person in row two was literally holding their ears and making this face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like the, the squinting. Face of pain. Like, yeah, they're, they're in pain, plugging their ears, listening to me <laughs> sing and lead worship. Was that distracting? Yes. It was very distracting. <laughs> yeah. When, when I was playing a lot of rock and roll, we used to have these moments where you'd see three or four guys standing in the back of the room with their arms crossed with these scowl looks yeah. on their face. And so I got in the habit of going, hey, ladies and gentlemen, at the back of the room is another local <laughs> band. You can see the four of them back there. They're here to check us out. Why don't you pat them on the back and say, it's so great to see you. Were they another... Like, they're always... Ri rival band? Oh, yeah. They were always... Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were always... All right. Uh, Maris, what's new with you? Tyler, your son started preschool. Yes. On the yesterday. same day that my son started college. Hey, <laughs> that, uh, what is it? How does that, Yay! how does that, uh, make you feel? I don't know. Like Jaden asked me, cause we were talking about this last night, you and my friend Heather, who I've mentioned a few mm -hmm. times on the show, her son started pre-K yesterday yeah. as well. And so she and I were texting back and forth all day, just, mm -hmm. She's super emotional. It's her yeah. firstborn son is going off to school for the yeah. first time. And I have similar emotions, but just in a different way because my son is so grown now. You're a grown up boy. Going off to college. Um, anyway, yeah. Jaden asked me if that makes me like feel happy or, or if that makes me feel sad. That and he's leaving? No, just. Or just the different Being in this life space, stage. being yeah. in this stage in life because- the people that are my age, that would be you, Heather, like 
you are just getting started with school. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm a free bird. Come on, let's let's, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird to be at this well, age. Well, I've had my stage. I've had my free bird phase already. <laughs> like you right. you were you had kids in diapers when I was free bird. That's it. exactly yeah. it. Yeah. So oh look at the time. Yeah. Gotta get gotta get the kids to bed. Yeah. Yeah. But we're on the other side of that now. Uh mm-hmm. so he started college mm-hmm. and is this like Hey, I see, uh, mom, it's like 7.30 in the morning. I'm out. I'm going to go to school. I'll see you tonight. I don't know when I'm going to be home. Or is this a, I have night classes. Like, what is he, what's his schedule like these days? So he's doing online school right now. And so he's got a super flexible schedule, which mm-hmm. is super good for him. I think he was like intimidated at the idea yeah. of like the workload of college, but realizing <laughs> that it's so different from what he had experienced <laughs> in high school, like he, yeah. he was he was in a pretty good mood yesterday. He's yeah. It's encouraged. like, yeah, you, you think like, oh man, college is going to be so much harder. And then you're like, wait, I just, I can go to class for the, for the first time today at one o'clock PM. Right. And that's the only thing I have to do. And it's community college. Yeah. He's taking two classes, but they're accelerated classes. Um, but even that just feels yeah. like a world of difference from his load in high school. I had a coach tell me, uh, you know, when I started, I had a coach who said, you are here to run. <laughs> and if you get an education in the meantime, that will be an advantage. <laughs> oh. He also said, I will expect you to run like an animal and drink like a man. Okay. That's, that's what I wow. said. Okay. That was, I, that I was like your 19. Intro, <laughs> intro yeah. to college. Yeah, that's that funny. was back in the day when colleges and athletics yeah. were different than they are now. Speaking of that, like is Jaden's drumming career just over now? Like what is he? Come on, man. I mean over. like marching band. Over? Yeah. He has no desire to march any oh, longer. He's over it. <laughs> well, and there, there are other ways for somebody of his age to get involved in like drum corps. He has some friends that are doing that. And what drum, is that? Drum corps is like. High octane? At the Pacers games? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He could go do that <laughs> yeah. thing at the Pacer game. So that'd yeah. be cool. He, he probably would enjoy that. But no, except drum, last time, drum corps is like marching band, but like for like adults. And it's like <laughs> no, no, I'm not no we're not doing that. We're no, not. No, he's not doing that. But I think that'd joke. be cool if he did the Pacer drum thing. Yeah. Right? Except you said you guys went to a Pacer game and brought him, and he, all he could do is complain about how the drums were out of tune. Yes. At the Pacers game. Yes, he hated the sound of the drums. <laughs> Yes. Maybe he's too good for it. No, you know what he's doing now is a lot of like pickup gigs. Like and, and they're people yeah. people from Grace Church yeah. who like have he's gigs in the, uh, that they like the unit to do. or whatever. What's the band name? The oh, unit. Yeah, well the system. Yes. The system. Yes. yes. Two of my uh wonderful worship team volunteers, uh father daughter duo yeah. have a gig and they invited Jaden to play along with them. Yeah. So they have a gig coming up. I think September 10th is the next one. Yeah. And then another one of my beloved volunteers, Dan Vose, bass player extraordinaire, has also asked Jaden if he will uh, sit in on some of his gigs. And they do like oh. 90s cover music and stuff yeah. like that. Does Jaden cool care at Jayden all? Jaden knows all that okay. stuff. He knows it. Most of it. Does he like 90s music? It depends. He's a huge like uh, Pearl Jam fan. He's a Foo Fighters fan. He's his mama's boy. But uh, yeah. 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 It's just fun. Like he came home, he came home from one of the rehearsals and he's like, 
yeah, it's just me and a bunch of Gen Xers just hanging out. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but like he enjoys it. He's yeah. having fun. Good. And I right. love the fact that he is with people that I know and trust. Yeah. So it's yeah. a win-win. We heard about that last week. Can't be out on his own for too Stop long. It. Or Mama Marin's going to get worried. I just, I just don't know how to be. This is a very strange yeah. stage of life. Even stranger, because again, Jane and Des are 17 months apart and yeah. they're used to having the same set of rules, yeah. the same guidelines. They do the same things. Yeah. They go to the same places. Not anymore, but yeah. try telling that mm-hmm. to my senior in mm-hmm. high school. But it, this is just a very weird time of being alive. Yeah. It's a weird time. Well. Anyway, welcome. Sounds like you guys are thriving. Preschool's kicking off for you. Hey, so it's pre-K. Just be great. We started pre-K yesterday. So we're taking another lap around preschool. So I, I didn't know. I don't know what you guys did, but like, I didn't know there was such a thing as like, oh, he's too old for his class or he's too young for his class. So we're going to do it again. Mm. The preschool rules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So apparently like he did preschool last year and when I was in preschool, I was like, all right, now we go to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. But this is like, no, he's going to be super young for his class. Is he still and so four? He just turned five. Okay. He just turned five. Yeah, in July. And so he's doing another lap around preschool, but it's like extended mm. instead of like so it's a full day. three hours. It's yeah, five or six hours. And uh, first day was yesterday. So he came home and he we're like, hey, buddy, how's school? And he's like, Good. I think I want to do it shorter though. Oh, <laughs> he's not down with a full day. They're like, hey, we got bad news. You got a, uh, you got yeah. like twelve more years of all day, so <laughs> it's not going to get better anytime soon. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's he he's a smart kid, but he all of his friends were older, I guess, last year, oh, so they're no. no longer there, and so he's he's got to make a bunch of new friends yeah. kind of in the same room, but he's still there, but his friends are in different rooms or yep, gone yep. or whatever. And so, yeah, he's for the first, uh, my wife sent me a text today saying Milo was worried about going to school. Cause he said, no one wants to be his friend. Oh. And that's the first time I've ever been like, I will kill any kid who does not want to <laughs> well, be friends with my son. Can we you isolate can that yeah. soundbite please? <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, what? A jerk. <laughs> yeah. You can tell him, it won't help him now, but you tell him that by virtue of being the oldest in his class, yeah. when he gets to sixth and seventh grade, he'll be a foot taller than yeah. everybody else. Yes. And he'll be able to rule junior high. Well, he'll be the yeah. first to drive. Yeah. That's all right. The things. I was yeah. the youngest in my class. Were you? Yeah. So I don't have yeah. any idea what I was. I don't know. I, I didn't even know this, this type of stuff existed. Mm-hmm. So, well, my birthday is end of September. And so I would have turned five, like yeah. a little bit into the school year. And way back then mm-hmm. that was okay. You could do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, do that now. I graduated high school at 17. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Which if you have super strict parents <laughs> means that <laughs> all of your friends who have turned 18 in September and October and November, who can do all of the things you can't do. I cannot do. No, can't do it. Cannot do. Um, and so that's his story, which means Lauren, uh, she works from home primarily, but there's two days a week. We typically send them to her mom's for mm-hmm. childcare stuff, but Lauren's home all day today with Lane, but just one-to-one. And that's never, ever, ever happened before where Milo's just not around. Yeah. And so she's, she's getting used to that, but how is, how's Lane taking it? 
Because that's an adjustment. Yeah. We were like, Lane, what are you going to do when Milo goes to school? And he goes, I miss him. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. It's just like sad dad days right now. Like, it's like happy that everybody's like involved, but. Oh, man. Uh. I I do bedtimes. This is like not related at all, but I do bedtimes <laughs> at night, put Milo to bed and I usually put Lane to bed after, like right after. And I go rock him uh, in his chair in his room. And he always like, you know, rock a minute. Like, all right, yeah, we'll rock a minute. <laughs> and so I'm rocking him and uh, he reaches up. I feel him reach up. It's like silent for like nine minutes. And I think he's asleep, but then I have my eyes closed too. And he reaches up and he just like puts his little two-year-old fingers on my neck. I'm like, what is he doing? And and I go, what What are you doing, buddy? Like, you got to go sleep. And he goes, I don't touch your elbow. I'm like, my elbow? And so I like move my arm up and I put it close to his hand <laughs> and he like touches it. And I'm like, what? A weirdo. <laughs> and he goes... No, your neck elbow. Oh. And he meant my Adam's apple. Like yeah. my, <laughs> I want to touch your neck elbow. That's great. So I've been saying that for the past week yes. because I think it's the funniest thing These in the world. These are the things you write down. It's like pitch black. And he's like, I want to touch your neck elbow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're still in potty, potty training world. It's getting better. Yeah. But I think Lauren's thrown in the towel with Lane. I think she's, mm. she's done. Like Milo, he's, 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 Making it through the night, all that stuff, but Lane has no desire not to ready. ditch the diaper, and so she's she's, she's strapped those things back on and <laughs> kind of given up. But yeah, that's what we're doing. That's that's pretty much what's new for, with us. Uh, next week, guys, big week next week. Barry's back next week, right? Yeah, he'll be back next week. I'm so confused. His first Sunday back is the 4th of September. Yeah, His first Sunday, but he's coming back, back. Okay. Monday of next week. Oh, he's working all week next word. week. We're potting with him next Barry week? Barry will be back next week. What? We're all miserable. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh my he will God. surprise you. That's what I wanted. Okay, well, I need to talk to him anyway, because he gave my son this enormous pumpkin. It's huge. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about it. And Jaden brought it home. And I'm like, what am I going to do with that? It's August. It's not even time to like put well, pumpkins on your front porch. Yeah, it's a little and, like, hot for pumpkins. You can't, you can't decorate your house with pumpkins yet. What am I supposed mm-hmm. to do with this thing? What are you doing with it? It's sitting on my countertop <laughs> and it's been there for over a week and I don't know what to do with what, it. What? Um, why did he give Jaden a pumpkin? Jaden was farm sitting for him. Is that his payment for, for, <laughs> his payment for watching the farm for a week? Is it a pumpkin? <laughs> he did come home with some lovely tomatoes and I would have taken more tomatoes, but I yeah. just don't know what to do with a giant pumpkin in the for middle of August. two months. I don't know. Do you have a deep freezer? Just put it in there. What do you do with it after? Like, well, why would I freeze it? To keep it until October. And, and pull then it out what? and then put it on your porch. No. Carve it. It would not defrost well. <laughs> no. It'll... Probably be fine until October. Just set it out back. Just don't carve it. Yeah. Mm. Or make a big pie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There you go. No, it's way too big. You don't want to make a pumpkin pie with that kind of pumpkin. It is enormous. It is not a cute little sugar pumpkin. It's enormous. (laughs) Sugar pumpkin? You've never heard of sugar pumpkin? That's what you're supposed to make pies with. Not this nonsense. I don't know what to do with it. Oh, well. All right, good. He'll get he'll get to the bottom of it next week when he <laughs> returns to the podcast. 
Uh, yeah, he comes back next week. He's been gone three months. I don't know how you guys feel, but I kind of feel like he left yesterday. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like <laughs> so much. We had a jam-packed summer yeah. as a church. I feel like so much has transpired yeah. over the last three months. To think that he was not even here for Grace Kids Camp feels yeah. like a year ago to me. I mean, mm. when you put it that way, for sure. But I saw him yesterday and I was like, oh, you're you're already back? <laughs> and yeah, but when you put it that way, like, yeah, Grace Kids Camp felt like last year. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that puts it in perspective for me. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. And that'll be that'll be when we're wrapping up the Known series, right? Next week? Yes. Next week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So all four of us partying on the pod. Yeah. All right. Uh, for this week, though, Tim, you gave week three's sermon for the Known series, right? Uh, yep, I did. Week three? Three. You just really got to trust yourself with these weeks. Yeah, it was for week some three. reason. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some reason I was like, but you did week one, but you, Marin no, did week one. Marin did. Week yeah, week we've one. talked about yeah. this. That was my first week one yeah. ever. How could you forget? That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. So week three, uh, primarily focused on Mark five, like the last three weeks, right? Right. It's all in Mark five. Yeah. It's all in one one short day. I mean, one part of a day, mm-hmm. which is incredible to think about, but. Um, so you primarily focused on Jesus's encounter. And the, we talked about this last week in which you weren't uh, obviously here, but we talked about how the story you talked about this past weekend happened in the middle of last week's story with Yarus <laughs> and his daughter. We had a big discussion about how to pronounce Jairus. Amy, Amy said Jairus and we would have said Jairus. Jairus. But when I looked it up, like the actual Greek, like phonetics, like how to pronounce right. it. It was like Yarus. Yarus. Yeah, but we're not going to say that. <laughs> we're not going to say that. No, it's like uh, when you start using correct pronunciation of stuff, no, it's so condescending. There's nothing wrong with that. How dare you? No, come on. No. <laughs> so no, no, I get made fun of constantly yeah. by Tyler specifically. Every time I say like tortilla well, or yeah. something. Well, that's different. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's different. different. Here's the thing. There's not a single person on the planet who knows how to pronounce ancient Greek. Yarus. <laughs> it's that there's this, I mean, there is a, a way to, to, I guess there's this thing which through Strong's actually mm-hmm. that has all the pronunciations and stuff, but we don't know that that's what they sounded like. Yeah. We don't have any idea. Like when we were like, and then Jesus laid his hands on the girl and said, Talitha come. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how you said it. Uh, all right. So you focused on the story in the middle of Yarus's story, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the woman who, how, how do you talk about this? Like the woman who okay, was bleeding? My entire life, I have heard it, the woman with the issue <laughs> of, of blood. blood. Yeah. My whole life. Okay. But we, we, t- we called it something else. It was like the woman. The bleeding woman? With the, the bleeding f- problem. Flow of blood or fl- issue. I think that's in King James. Well, you know. Oh. <laughs> you know Mary, how you I roll. Have. New King James. <laughs> yeah, you should have known that. My entire life. All right, so can you kind of give us a big idea of what you wanted people to walk away with while after hearing your sermon this past weekend? Well, the big idea of the whole ser- series is the 
this, these stories all show us the, the grandness of Jesus's power and his authority in the world and how he is so different from the rest of humanity. And yet, in each of these stories, he has a response that is tailor-made for the person mm-hmm. in ways that they wouldn't even have expected him to, mm-hmm. to respond. And this particular story, the end result is exactly the opposite. Jesus, what Jesus does with this woman is exactly the opposite of what he's on his way to do with the little girl who died. Mm-hmm. And they're together because they happened in the same moment, but it just shows Jesus's perception of what's actually going on in someone individual's life in the midst of him doing something else that lots and lots of other people are engaged with. It's, it's like, I just felt it was important in this series when we started talking about doing it, that people realize that we can go on and on about Jesus's power and his grandeur and all that. And that's all important. Yeah. But also what is important is that he's paying attention to individuals in all of these cases, there are people that most of the people in their world would not have paid much attention to mm-hmm. to begin with. And mm-hmm. yet he's right on, right on target with what mm-hmm. they need. So, mm-hmm. and that's true then the fourth one too. Which is what? Which will we, be what? Where we're going next week, that is? <laughs> yeah, the next, it's when Spoiler. Jesus heals. And I have to say, I'm, and this next one is the one that moves me the most. The man with the speech impediment and the and has lost his hearing. The part about it that makes me it moves me the most is the absolute um, isolation that this this man has been in, and that what Jesus does is so personal. And I'm excited about. It. And I also have to say that. Uh, and I'm not I'm not going to probably say anything about this in the sermon, but I had a period in my life when I was under a great deal of emotional stress where I had um, a stutter. Oh, really? Yeah, I was um, 20, 21, and uh, Jennifer can tell you all about it. And it was not as strong when it was just a, a difficulty of speaking. Hmm. And I'm at an age now where I'm losing my, the, my hearing just simply because of my age. And I understand that a little bit. And the, the man in the next story, he did not, he was not born deaf. Mm-hmm. It says he lost it. He, oh, okay. he was born with a speech impediment so strong that no one could understand him. Mm. And then he went deaf, mm. which means that he knew at one time, what language was, but he couldn't use it and was never understood. And then he lost all of his connections, hearing connections. And just the, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what it is to be him, but I know what it is to be afraid to try to say something because you didn't know whether it would come out. And I know what it is to be in conversations and you don't know what anybody's talking about. And that's made this one really personal for mm. me. Yeah. So anyway. So for this one, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but can you kind of, you, you were kind of the architect of this series. Like we're going to talk about this week one, this week two, right. week three, week four. 
talk a little bit about how or why you decided to tell these stories in the order in which we're telling them. My question last week was why it felt like to me the resolution of this woman's story happens before the resolution of Jairus's story. And it would have made sense. Like if we're doing chronological, I would have assumed this came first, but for what, for, well, Mark does this sandwich thing a lot where he puts one story in the midst of another one. And the story in the middle is always put there for the purpose of enlarging the understanding of the story that surrounds it. And they're almost always stories that, have opposite connections Mm -hmm. that widen the meaning of all of them. And I thought it would be more important to talk about the little girl first, because it has, um, it starts out there and we see Jesus's response to him. And if we'd have just, there's so much about the fact that Jesus turns away from following this highly respected synagogue ruler and deals with the woman who has mm-hmm. the flow of blood. We need to know all about that other story and what Jesus goes and does to make that story even more, um, I would say, emotionally present for mm-hmm. us. And and that's why I had it. I did it that way. I put planned them that way. I I've been teaching through Mark now for years. Four years. Right, I think so. In your class, well, yeah, but we, you, you know, the pandemic cut me down from an hour and a half a week to half an hour. Oh, so a week. it would have so, just been three years. Yeah, but <laughs> and I'm not done. I'm only in chapter twelve. <laughs> but, but, I, I felt uh, like it would be a good way before Barry came back that we just focus on Jesus for a few mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. And what a better place to focus on Jesus than these stories because they. Yes, they are pictures of Jesus's power. And I, I know I keep saying that, but they are. I mean, he's, yeah. but, but they are also stories of his intimate concern for individuals on the margins. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think everybody needs to hear that. I, I, I don't have the issues that any of the people in this, these stories have, but I have other issues and I have, and the hard part is to believe that, that the God of the universe and his son are actually paying attention. And these stories are here to tell us that he is. Yeah. You gave us a dusting of Jairus' story and talking about uh, this woman. And one of the things you 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 talked about was how this this is a described as a great crowd, right? The, yeah, it's and I always kind of pictured it as like Jesus gets off the boat and there's just like kind of hustle and bustle going on. But nope. you said it was like people were waiting on him and it's mm. like you, uh, shoulder to shoulder, like people are pushing through to try to like get to him in his face. Type Absolutely, of the Greek says it's a pressing crowd. Mm. It says that it's it's a crowd that's trying to grab him. Is what it's really, it's about, it's a positive, but it doesn't sound positive. That sounds claustrophobic. Well, the whole idea of the fact that if you can touch a, a healing man's robe or touch his body, that the power will come out of him would, would drive people to try to get close to him. Mm-hmm. And 
that there's a thought in scholarship that when Jairus comes to Jesus and falls down at his feet, it's not because he's in worship. It's the word is not a word for worship. It's a word for falling down when you're exhausted. Oh. He'd had to fight his way through the crowd. Oh, wow. And Which makes this woman's story even more incredible that yes. she somehow, somehow navigated through this, this crowd Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know. Was she crawling? Was she walking? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Don't, but we don't know. They don't say, it never says in any of the, the versions of the story, but what it does say, hmm. what it, what it was, what it does say is something about her character that she so much believed or was, had finally come to the decision that this may be my only hope Yeah, that she would put herself in a position to be in that crowd, mm-hmm. forcing her way up to Jesus. This is one of those stories I only see in flannel graph, like from being like a little kid in Sunday school. And I think there was somewhere some sort of like cartoon image of her crawling. Oh, So I've only ever pictured her like, kind of down low, trying to like <laughs> well, push past people's ankles and sneak in and touch the hem, ham, which we it, see is the bottom, you know. Well, it's the uh, word actually means the tassels of his rub. And that's mm. in a different, ver- that's in a, one of the other versions. I don't think that says mm. that in Mark, but but those, uh, that's why they have her down mm-hmm, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was everybody trying to touch his robe or did she know something they didn't? Which Because she was like, if I could only touch his robe, I know that he'll save me. Mm. I'm unsure that everybody was trying to touch his robe like that. I think that there's something about being close to him. He would have been surrounded by his disciples. Mm-hmm. He um, He's trying to, I don't know. Well, he was in this crowd and then suddenly Jairus was with him. And so he's leaving to go with Jairus. And as he's moving, I don't know what people were thinking. They might've yeah. been pushing people out of the way and saying, hey, make way for the, for the teacher. He's going with, and, and Jairus, as the local synagogue ruler, would have been known by everybody because those synagogue rulers were voted on by their local residents to be the people who are in charge of the local synagogue. So he would have been honored and respected and known. And the fact that he'd even come to Jesus would have been a surprise to mm. everybody. So um, so she touches, she somehow gets close enough to him to touch I guess the tassel of his robe, mm-hmm. the hem of his garment. Or and it yeah. says <clears throat> power went out of him. And you, in your sermon said, I don't know how that happened. I you know, I don't know, but no. that's why we're here between Sundays. We're, th- we're here to talk about how we, re- what we really <laughs> think we're, about we're the here to so, speculate. And all of your work <laughs> and research, what do you think? What do you think happened? What do I think happened? Yeah. Like, you're like, I don't know how he lost power, but like, what do you think? How, why, why do you think he lost power? Well, I don't know that he lost power, just that power came from him. Right. And he knew well, that something yeah. had happened. I don't, I don't understand that because I've never had anything. I've never done anything. Well, when I plug my phone in, the wall doesn't lose power, right? Just power now goes to my phone. <laughs> That's how I see this. Jesus didn't lose power, but power went out from him. Power, healing power. Uh-oh. Right. And there's this, and I know that this is always very controversial, but there are an awful lot of things that in the Bible in particular that are not existentially true. They're ideas that people have about the world or what's going on that come from their culture or their experience 
which God does not correct, he uses for his own purposes. This next week, I'm going to talk about Jesus spitting on his fingers and putting them in the deaf man's ears and on his tongue. Or I don't know that he spits on his fingers for his ears, but he does spit on his fingers for his tongue. And I mentioned it in this week's sermon that they believed that the power of a he, uh, the healing power of a person who was considered a healer was resident in their clothing, their bodily fluids, and their shadow. Mm. And I mentioned it in the second hour that all three of those are seen as ways that God heals people in the New Testament. Now, is there healing power in the shadow of a person? I don't know that that's really true, but there can be yeah. if God decides to use that belief mm-hmm. in the general culture to show his, his, his power. Hmm. And so, and we see this all over the place in the Bible where something is just not really true, but God uses th- their, their expectations or their thoughts about it or their, yeah cultural givens to accomplish his bigger uh, purposes. Yeah. And this is one of those cases. I don't know whether I know that in certain denominations, and I actually, when I played for Tyrone Bragg, when he was a, a, he's a gospel singer, uh, African-American gospel singer. And I saw a lot of the other gospel singers. He didn't do it, but I saw it a lot of the shows. They would have a piece of cloth Mm -hmm. and they'd wipe their sweat off and then they'd throw it out in the crowd. And people would think there was like power in that piece of cloth because it came from him and it had his bodily fluids on it. And they got all that from the notions that were true notions, whether they're true or not, I don't know, of the way things work in the first century. Mm -hmm. And, but that's, and we don't think of the world that way. I no. don't go to the doctor and just touch his coat. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't for one minute think that his spit has any ability to heal me. Yeah. Thank goodness that but, didn't live on. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? a relief. Yeah. That's a relief. Well, they believed in the first century, they believed all your bodily fluids, spit. Okay. Sweat, <laughs> blood. It's family friendly show. No, I'm not going anywhere now. Yeah. Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that stuff is always remarkable to me because there's so much of it in the Bible Mm. and God does not, the the biggest one that I think of right off the bat was when one of the patriarchal, is it it Jacob? I don't know. He put like, he put bark that was off of a tree that was spotted in the bottom of the water troughs. And when the animals, they believed that somehow that made them have that was Jacob. multicolored babies. And guys, there is no truth to the fact that if you put bark in a bottle, but God uh, used their belief to, to have a bigger yeah. truth. And so, and that's the problem with the scripture. So many times people take those things as if they're somehow, uh, they're real in the world all the time. Yeah. It's like those people, I don't know. Those people didn't understand what an atom was. But they God still what it, used no. what they didn't know or didn't know. Well, they didn't know what germs were. Right. They didn't know. There's so much that they didn't, they didn't have a sense. But they had the world figured out. Right. They'd figured out the world. They weren't walking around going, I wonder what's making us sick. They'd figured out what made them sick, even though they weren't right. Right. <laughs> and they lived by it. And yeah. God often uses those notions of his mm-hmm. world 
because those notions are not evil. They're just, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that people by looking around, think about this. The only way to figure out what's going on in the world is to look around. Mm-hmm. No books, no real teachers. Right. And half the time the teachers are just speaking from looking around. Yeah. And you can come up with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And God uses the that stuff in the from the context of the people in his stories in the Bible mm-hmm. to to accomplish greater things. And that's just fascinating to me. I'm often wondering what is it that we believe is true about the world right now that is absolutely yeah. patently false. I and think that, about that almost weekly. And that God Especially is using, after this message. Yeah. That God's still he's using something in the world right now to show his greater glory and his power without correcting us. Because yeah. I said this on the pod before, but just think if Jesus had come and said, okay, now wait, everybody sit down. <laughs> the world is round. The sun is in the center. And there are these things that are called germs. You need to wash your hands because we'll get rid of 90% of the diseases if you do that. <laughs> Boil your water. If he started going <laughs> like that, where he goes, lightning is, yeah. is something we can harness to, and he, what if he just started going like yeah. that? And they'd all said, this is the craziest man we have ever met. How is this going to happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you got me carried away. There. Yeah. Is that why, like, you put some very interesting bullet points on the screen for us to read yes. this week. Was it just to show those notions, things that that they believed were absolutely were true in true. that day of how to treat a woman with a flow of blood. Right. There's no possibility that somebody just made those up. Something happened in the past where that thing, those combinations of things worked suddenly scary or see, seemed to work. Mm-hmm. And so then it became like surprise science. <laughs> yeah. It became science. Wow. That's, that's pretty wild. The ashes of an ostrich egg. Like I I, want to know, I would love to hear the story of the first guy that was like, let's burn this egg (laughs) and put the ashes of it. But you got to wear it. Wear it around. Yeah. Pouch. And that'll help the woman who's bleeding. Yeah. Well, somewhere along the line (laughs) that became, uh, the way you do it. Common practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, And it came from looking around. Yeah. It's interesting to me, if you start to think about all of the religion, most of the religions in the world, other than the ones that are originally based on text, and there are only a couple Mm -hmm. that are based on text, they're all, they all make perfect sense if you, if you put yourself in the middle of no place and just look around for a while, you, you start to see that the world works this way. Because once you come to your decisions by looking, when you don't have any other input. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So because I'm a podcast host and because I've sat at the feet of Tim Ayers for more than half my life and learning how to understand what I'm reading, I'm pretty proud of this. I'm sure everybody in this room already knows these things, but- all right, we're in this series. I've heard Marin's story about the guy with demons, mm-hmm. Amy's story about Jairus, and now this. And I'm like, okay, what, like what is happening here in the writing? And just thinking about this week and last week, both stories, um, this woman and the 12-year-old girl, 
we talked about last week, both women unclean, right? So last week it's like, she's dead. Mm-hmm. She'd be dead. If, right. Yeah, unclean. If she's unclean. Dead. And this woman unclean. Mm-hmm. All right. Both stories, 12 is like a significant, like 12 is the number in both stories. It's like mm-hmm. this woman's There's had a reason for that. You're doing great. Tyler. 12 great, yeah. year old girl. This woman's had an issue of blood for 12 years. years. Uh, Both are called daughters. Yes. Jesus calls both of them daughters. Yes. And he touches both of them to heal them, even though everybody else, like nobody understands what's going on. But he's like, he uses his physical touch to heal both of them. Well, yeah, his physical Mm -hmm. presence, his physical body. She touched him. She 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 reached out to him. Yeah. What does that mean? That means we're really proud of you. Like you said, <laughs> yeah. we would be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I've grown up to learn that when somebody repeats something in the Bible, yes. it is worth paying attention to. Yes. So right. what, what is going on? <laughs> what, what happened? Like what, what, what are we supposed to recognize mm-hmm. from these two stories that the author of Mark really like needs us to understand? Well, go on. You're really on a good. Is it, is it like Jesus knows <laughs> both curious. of these women and he knows exactly because in the first story of the guy with the demons, we talked about this last week. It's like, nobody say anything, just go about your business. And this guy don't talk about, right? Well, no, he says, oh, no, no, the you, daughter. Can't, you can't come with me. He says that you to the, the man who's healed of the demons he says, you can't come with me. You need to go tell everybody or go, yeah, go t- talk, talk about, go tell all your the family. He says, go talk to your family. And, and that's what he needs to do because he needs yeah. to reestablish community, the community, a relationship with the community. And also he will, and we see it in my story the next, next week, it takes place in the exact same location as the demoniac mm-hmm. story. And so Jesus has been, I mean, those people didn't want him around. Yeah. But there's somebody who's an evangelist for the goodness of Jesus who seems to at least mellow the tone so yeah. that when the deaf when Jesus shows up again, they bring him somebody that they that nobody's been able to mm-hmm, take care mm-hmm. of. Yeah. But he tells the guy, Go go tell everybody. Go yes. tell your family. Go right. Tell all but this. then in the second story In the story, second story he's like, Nobody say anything. And right. now in this, he's like kind of making a deal yeah. out of it. Mm-hmm. He, ma- he makes her announcing it publicly. publicly. So is it truly like the author just wanted us to know that he knew all these people? Into- Absolutely. <laughs> because it's the whole point is to tell us who is this man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that he can heal the sick or that he can raise the dead. It's also that he can do it in a way that, that it's not like a blanket. He's not like waving his arms over a massive crowd. He's that, that is the part that is new to me. I've heard many messages on Mark chapter five and it says, isn't that cool that he did this miracle and he delivered this man with demons or he raised this girl and he gave a father back his daughter and he healed this woman. And that is where that sermon has ended. It stays there. I have not ever heard it go into, and he knew that she needed to be called out publicly because otherwise who would know that she was no longer unclean and it would have spread through the rumor mill and that could have taken a right. long time. Like just taking that, that deeper look. Yeah. There's the, there's the big miracle we focus on, but there's something else even more personal. Right. I never knew why he didn't want anyone to know that the, mm-hmm. the little girl had been raised back to life. 
that she would have been forever associated with having at one point in her life been dead. Yeah, there's an awful lot of cultural stuff related to that. Yeah. And yeah, I I don't know that I can take credit for that. But I've been living in that space for a long time with those passages and I don't remember where I read anything other than the cultural realities. I that's the one thing about scholarly stuff. They don't ever take you to a devotional point. They just take you to, they just tell you the, the scholarly aspects about it, but I couldn't help but take it there in my own teaching when I taught through this mm-hmm. a year ago or sometime, maybe at the beginning of the year, we did a, I did a series at the Fishers campus mm-hmm. and we just did the first three stories and I did the first two and then Brad Miller did the third one. And they wanted a different perspective because they had a perspective they wanted, but I, I couldn't help but think about it in the way that you're talking about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even the part where like she, you said she hasn't, she, she's basically been this way for 12 years, which probably means nobody's touched her for 12 years. Right. Right. And so the fact that she, she needed to touch Jesus when nobody's probably touched her or associated with her for 12 right. years, mm. how like brazen that would have been. Right. Absolutely. And the fact that she was alone, mm. that speaks to the, what Jewish women were really not supposed to go out into public without a male yeah. family member. And that she's out there alone does say at some level that there isn't any man in her life that's going to be with her. I always picture her when I, before I always pictured her as older, Hmm. but I don't think she was. That's why I said she was probably mid twenties because the greatest gift in the story might be that she could now bear children because the, as much as I hate to say it, the purpose of women in that culture was to bear children. And we don't like that, but that's just the truth of Hmm. where they lived. And for it's not like she had some sort of feminist awakening. What what she wanted was to be able to function in the world in which she lived in the way that yeah. women functioned. And, and to not be an outcast. Right. And to not be forever lonely, forever alone. Right. Mm-hmm. And think about it. She can't touch even cooking utensils. She has to use different pots or pans, yeah. you know, different bowls and... I don't know where she was living. That thing mm-hmm. about the money that she'd spent, that makes perfect sense to me that she had spent her dowry because she would not have had any way to make money mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. And yeah, this is a pretty, it's a pretty interesting, deep story. And, and it's, there's so much compassion in Jesus's voice when he calls her daughter and mm-hmm. says, go in peace to her and your plague. That word is so clearly the word plague mm-hmm. has ended. It's like, he got it. We don't know what she said and he doesn't respond, but he does say something that's that what we need to hear is that his response to her is very personal. We don't need to hear Jesus say, Oh, that's terrible. Or I'm so sorry. You lost all that money. Or we don't need to hear that. We need to hear Jesus say what he said. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about, um, uh, she grabbed onto his robe and I guess 
it wasn't just like I just needed to touch it. Like she grabbed. Did she? Well, it's touch. It she is, just touched. She just like brushed. By well, she rovers. just needs to get a hold of it. Yeah, I guess you know she needs to have the tassel in her hand. So, I was thinking like there's all these people around him, crowding him, and she knows that she needs to grab him or get a hold of him. And I was thinking about like how often it feels like either people or myself, like how often it feels like I'm, I'm just kind of standing around Jesus, but I'm never like sometimes it, it, I'm not always like trying to basically risk my life. Like she risked her life. If, if she's that unclean and she's like crawling through the crowd or whatever, and she's risking her life to go touch Mm-hmm. grab hold of his tassel like how how easy it is for me to just like kind of stand around Jesus and know about Jesus and like mm. want to be close but there's a difference between that and like I'm I believe so much I'm going to grab hold of him when everybody else is just kind of like standing well, it around came from a place of deep need yeah right his disciples were around him but yeah. they weren't necessarily like grabbing him in that way yeah. because they weren't desperate yeah What's the, uh, Tim, what do you perceive as the difference between her desperation and Jairus's desperation? I don't think there's much. The language is all the same and they're both frantic Mm -hmm. and at the end of some kind of rope, if you will. I, I think that they're the same purposefully. I think, I don't think we should see Jairus's desperation to save his daughter as any less or more of an emotional whatever than the desperation of this woman. 12 years is a long time. Mm. Now the number 12 has a definite meaning in Jewish thinking. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I th- this is a side message in it that they did not believe that you were responsible for your sin until your 13th birthday. And so while you're 12, you can't be blamed for that which you do, held responsible until you become an adult. And mm-hmm. so the, the reason, though some people might go there, but the reason this little girl was sick and dying could not have been because of her own sin, because she was not responsible for her sin yet. And the 12 years can be then everybody would have assumed that there was some sin in this woman's life that had brought this on. But the number 12 is the number of the years of innocence. Mm-hmm. And so these two numbers work in that thinking. I didn't mention it in the sermon because we didn't need that point. Yeah. But but that in and of itself is a really strong statement that in this story, we have two people who are not guilty. Yeah. The, the condition of the world as it, moves in on the innocent is what drives Jesus's compassion. Mm. And that's what's really going to happen in the next story. Yeah. The condition of the world is different than what Jesus is. Jesus intended at creation and he is moved mm-hmm. by the, how injustice rolls over the innocent. Mm. And that's in the number 12 that, but, um, that's a hard one to yeah. The hard one to add to the story. 
But I think about that stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's been, I mean, we'll talk about it more next week, but I think it's been a really good, like you said, it, it, it's good to have a series, even if it's, you know, four short weeks of just really focusing on a really like a snippet of who Jesus is, but over and over, it's like the same repeated message. Like he, he, he's the master of the universe, but also like he knows us intimately and he knows exactly what we need. Like, I feel like having that message over and over and his power and authority is true, but also he knows exactly what you need. I think it's been, uh, it's been really good for me to have that kind of hammered home every week. The, we have to remember that in the first century, the vast majority of people believed in the panoply of gods. The vast majority, the Jews were pretty much the only people who believed in one God. And no one in the world who, who believed in the, pan, the, the Greek gods or the Roman gods believed that those gods had any interest in human beings mm-hmm. particularly. All of the incantations and stuff were thought to be things that forced them to act on our behalf. And nobody thought about having a personal relationship with a God who knew something about you. It was all this sort of broad, the gods function in this manner. And most of their stories were about times where the gods did stuff to people to get rid of them or to push them out of their way or to make them be quiet Mm -hmm. or something like that. And so for this person who comes claiming to be the son of God, to still have the awesome power that the, that the whole world would give to, to the gods. And yet he knows these people who are at the bottom of the, of the, Mm. of the social spectrum. This, this is a story that would, can you imagine if you're hearing this for the first time and you're from someplace in Turkey and you're finding out that the son of God knew her and he did that for her, they would never have thought that a God mm-hmm. or a, even a, even a wise teacher or someone with healing power would care about those people. And these stories just, mm. they just cut the knees out mm. of all of the assumptions about what is actually going on in the world. Mm. And I find that fascinating yeah. and encouraging and comforting mm. and all kinds of stuff. Good. Yeah. I think the part that touched me the most was, that the word for daughter is the same for this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and this 12 year old little girl being brought back to life. And Jesus heard the word and then used it all within about two minutes. Mm. Yeah. 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 My daughter is sick and then he calls her daughter and wow. Mm. Yeah. It's just really cool stuff. (laughs) And Mark, clearly was quoting Peter and I bet every time Mark heard Peter tell this story about this thing that happened that crazy day Mm. that he just, and he remembered it easily because he translated it for him so many times, but I'm sure it just moved him. His details are so, so much uh, brighter than the other gospels in Mark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to, wrapping up the series and it's been, it's been really good and thought provoking. It's good to focus on Jesus. So thanks for, <laughs> it is, it is good to focus on Jesus. Well, I mean, yeah. sometimes right, it's Pastor. like, it's like, 
hey, we're, I mean, in a couple months, it's like, we always end up focusing on Jesus, but it's like in a couple months, we're doing Jonah, mm-hmm. which like, we, we turn it to Jesus and it's like, here's what the Bible says about Jesus. And, but focusing on the behavior of Jesus is always mm-hmm. refreshing to me. Well, I have to say that for four years, we've been living in the gospel of Mark <laughs> and like for yeah. three years before that, I lived in the gospel of John and yeah. it's just I, a, yeah. I love that it. this series has given us time to sit in each of these stories mm-hmm. and not string them together in such a way that it's like, okay, we touched on the man mm-hmm. with demons and we touched on Jairus and we touched on her mm-hmm. and we did it all in 30 minutes. Yeah. The way that you broke this up into, we're going to sit in Mark chapter five for three weeks mm-hmm. because each of these moments is worth a sermon of its own. That's That's been super awesome. Yeah. Well, I have to say that as I've been going through Mark, I've found that every verse is worth a sermon oh on its own. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I can't <laughs> help but see it that way. Anyway. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully you'll be back next week and we can talk yeah. about the wrapping up the series. And then, like I said, Barry will be back. So who knows? Who knows? It could be like a three hour pod next week, <laughs> but uh, we'll wrap it up. But Marin, for this week, what do you, uh, do you mind send us out? Sure. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 